I'm going to say something and you need to respond. God is good. Now, I've had the privilege of being able to travel around the world in many different countries, and no matter what language, no matter what country, if I say God is good in a Christian church, the response is always, all the time. And that's something that we have to remind ourselves of, that no matter what we're going through, that He's good all of the time. It may not feel good at the moment, what you're dealing with or what you're going through, but you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And Jesus will never abandon those who make a decision for him. You see, decision is very important. But what's critically important along with a decision is commitment to that decision. You just can't make a decision one day and then say, okay, I made a decision to follow Jesus and then go on and live your merry life. Decision means You've chosen to follow him. I'm going to read something from uh, President uh, Ronald Reagan's uh, biography. And uh, I'll just read it and you'll see what it's about. Former President Ronald Reagan uh, once had an aunt who took him to a cobbler for a pair of new shoes. Obviously, he was, he was young. The cobbler asked young Reagan, do you want square toes or do you want, want round toes? Unable to decide, Reagan didn't answer. So the cobbler gave him a few days. Several days later, the cobbler saw Reagan on the street, and he asked him again, do you want square toes or do you want round toes? And uh, he still couldn't decide, so this is what the shoemaker said. He said, well, come by in a couple of days, and your shoes will be ready. Well, he came back in a couple of days, uh, and uh, when the president did that, he found one square-toe shoe and one round-toed shoe. And this is what the cobbler said. This will teach you to never let other people make decisions for you. And then, as he looked back on this, this is what Reagan said, I learned right there and then that if you don't make your own decisions, someone else will. There is power in a decision. There is power in a decision when there's commitment that follows that decision. God loves you. That's an easy thing to say, isn't it? Can you say that with me? God loves me. No, no. I want you to say God loves me. Okay, he loves me too. <laughs> All right, I'll accept that. Amen. Amen. Now, the thing is, is that if you really believe that, when you really come to a place where you say, the creator of this universe, who created it all by just saying words, loves me, then you realize that there is the potential for a tremendous amount of, of uh, miraculous work to be done in our lives. But we need to understand what kind of love that God loves us with. And uh, not to get into theological discussion, but if you read the New Testament, you'll see the word love is used often. 
But sometimes the word love comes from the Greek word philios, philia, which means like a brother, brotherly love. Uh, sometimes the word is uh, uh, sturgy, which is a family type of love. But there's one kind of love that describes God. Agape love. Come on, say that word with me. Agape. Agape love is unconditional love. That's the kind of love God has for you, and that's the kind of love that God wants you to develop in your life towards those that are around you. That unconditional love means that there's nothing that you can do once you belong to Him. There's nothing that you can do to cause cause Him to love you less. There's nothing that you can do to cause Him to love you more. He is committed to you. Commitment. That's really what God wants from us. Commitment. I've been married to this lady that was up here. I'm not going to tell you how many years because then you'll be figuring out, you know, he's that old. No. I've been married to her for a long time. And what makes our marriage such a joy is the fact that we are committed to one another. We didn't just, just get married Back in 1968, now you have to do some calculations. <laughs> now you have to calculate. We got married in 1968, but the point is, is that from, from, from the very beginning, we were committed to each other. Can I tell you that we experienced some difficult times? We I'm not just talking about circumstances coming against us. We experienced difficult times with each other, but we were committed to one another. We didn't abandon, we didn't quit, we didn't give up, but we pursued, we were committed. That is what God is looking for from us in terms of our relationship with Him. We quit too easily when the going gets tough. I see Rachel Bovey is here this morning, and I promised to give her credit for something that she said to me, so I'm going to give you credit this time, Rachel, the next time, remember... It belongs to me. (laughs) But she told me that she had run, uh, well, I saw that she had run a marathon. And uh, I've thought about running a marathon many, many times. That's that's as far it got. You know, I decided I'm going to run a marathon, but I was not committed to doing the marathon. See, decisions are easy. Commitment is where it's at. Commitment is where the, 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 the true test comes. But anyway, uh, she, she mentioned to me that it wasn't as hard as you might think because all along the way, there are people cheering you on, people you don't even know. They're cheering you on. They're encouraging you. They're, they're, they're saying, you can do this. You can press on. And, it, and, and she said, remember you said, Rachel, that when you got to the end, there was this huge crowd of people just cheering and yelling and shouting, and, and it, it helped propel you across the finish line. Let me tell you something. There is a huge host of angels that are proclaiming and screaming and yelling and saying, you can do this. But you can't do it in your own strength alone. You know you can't. You've tried. In another month, people are going to be making their... their, uh, New Year's resolutions. Again. 
The same one they made in 19, in 19 no, 2022. <laughs> the same one they made in 2021. Why, why, why do we make the same resolution over and over? Because we aren't committed to it. We're looking for the fast fix. We live in a microwave age. We, we want things like this. But the things that really matter, the things that are really important, come with a price. Jesus paid the price for you. And you say, well, that's easy. He's God. No, no. Yes, he is God. But what he did on the cross of Calvary, he did as a human being. And he did it because he could see into the future and he saw you. And when he saw you, regardless of what you think of yourself, he saw you and he said, you're worth it. You're worth it. You're worth the pain. You're worth the scourging. You're worth the shame. You're worth the humiliation. You're worth the spikes in the hands and the feet. You're worth the spear in the side. You're worth it. And see, until you come to a place, I'm not talking about a, a pumped-up kind of pride, but a realization, the reality, you belong to him. If you've made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, if you said, Jesus, come into my life, what you were saying is, come into my life, and here's what you were saying, change me. Well, if, if you're asking God to come into your life and change you, why are you still trying to change yourself? It hasn't worked before. It's not going to work now. But as you surrender to Him, as you surrender to the work of His Holy Spirit in your life, as you surrender to the Word of God and commit to reading the Word and studying the Word, what you're going to find is that what you've been looking for is going to begin to take place in your life. It's like the idea of Dave was talking about tithing. It doesn't make any sense. But that's why God says in the book of Malachi, he says, test me, try me, I dare you. See if I will not open up the gates of heaven and pour out a blessing upon your life. But you have to commit to it. You have to commit. His love is an agape kind of love. It's an unconditional love. Now, I have to tell you, I think my wife is beautiful. Now, she tells me that, well, the reason I say that is because I see her through the eyes of a 24-year-old when I got married. Oh, now you're really doing the calculations. 1968, 24. I was nine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you could hear that, but Norman said, I was nine. Hey, a lot of you weren't even a thought. But the reality is, is that as we commit to him, you see, you made me laugh and now I lost my train of thought. <laughs> but as we commit to him, we're going to find that the agape power of God is going to really manifest itself. Now I'm going to age myself again and uh, say, how many people remember the Rocky movies? Rocky 1, Rocky 2, Rocky 3, Rocky 14, Rocky 15. <laughs> In Rocky, third, in Rocky number three, there was a song. And the song was called, 
the eye of the tiger. It was a very popular song. It hit the top, you know, the top 10 uh, for, for a number of weeks, and it was very, very popular. The theme song for Rocky III. And I don't know if you've ever seen a tiger. I've had the, I've had the opportunity. I was in India, and I did see a tiger on the road uh, at night. And uh, didn't get too close, obviously, because I'm still here. But uh, if you've ever watched tigers on the prowl on TV, on Animal Planet or whatever, what you'll notice is that it, they're like, well, they are a cat. You know, they belong to the cat family. But think of a cat. When they see their prey, boom, they're focused. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Their eyes are on the prey. That, that prey twitches, and that eye will just blink. And they, they just start stalking and pursuing and pressing in, and nothing distracts them. That's what commitment is. Commitment is to set your eye on the goal and allow nothing to distract you. And that's the kind of commitment that God wants from us. Commitment to His Word. Commitment to the, the, the working of His Spirit in our lives. Commitment to learning how to hear the voice of God. Commitment to obeying what God is saying, even when it makes no sense at all. Even when it's going to cost you. He paid the price for you. He paid the price so that, in the, even in the worship song that we sent, that, that, that sin and the fear of death is no longer an issue because of the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. It tells us in Romans that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, that means wherever you go, guess who's with you? The Holy Spirit. Wherever you go, God is with you. But we need to develop that awareness that He's with us. And, and, and not be so easily distracted by the things of the world or the pressures of life. In Isaiah 50, verse 7, the prophet writes, For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. I therefore have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed or disappointed. What does that mean, I've set my face like a flint? It means it's like chiseled in stone. I'm not going to look to the left, I'm not going to look to the right, but I'm going to look for the prize. And that prize, that prize is the upward call of Jesus Christ in your life. We all know the scripture, Romans 8, 28, it says, says that all things work for good for those who love God and are what? Called to his purpose. We love God. We're here on a Sunday morning recuperating from Thanksgiving. We're here on a Sunday morning because we love God. But are you called to His purpose? His purpose is that you would be focused on Him. Remember the disciples, in the, as we read them in the New Testament, they gave up everything to follow Jesus. He's, no, he's asking no less of you now. He says, he wants you to be his disciple, following hard after him. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, 
is a, is a verse that you, you really, it's a very short verse, and you, it's, I, I encourage you to memorize it. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Let me say that again. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Too many of us are, are walking by sight and not by faith. We're walking, we're, we're, we're walking by what we want instead of realizing that we need to be walking in God's purpose for our life. Dee was talking to someone yesterday, and, and, and she mentioned that, that instead of complaining, I'm, and I'm adding to this because she didn't say it this way, but instead of us complaining about the path that we're on, we need to realize that whatever path God put us on, he's there. He's not on the path that you necessarily want for yourself, but he's in the, he's in the path that you're in. And so as we commit to what God is doing in our lives at the moment, then what we're going to find is we're going to find success. We're going to find the breakthrough. We're going to find that we're more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. Now, why are we more than conquerors in Jesus Christ? Because he loves us. Listen to, to Romans chapter 8, verses 37 and to the end, 39. This is what God is saying about you. And you need, you, see, you need to own it. You need to own this. It says, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, sometimes we think of more than conquerors. I mean, that means we're going we're to beat up on the people who have wronged us, beat, you know, hurt the people that have hurt us. No. Remember, unconditional love, agape love is unconditional. You need to learn how to unconditionally love the person that have hurt you or the people that have hurt you, the people that have wronged you. That doesn't mean they need to be your best friends. That doesn't mean you need to like them in an emotional kind of way. What it means is that you've decided unconditional love. You've decided and you're following through. You make a decision and you follow through. It reminds me of a story I read many years ago about this young man who, who uh, lived in, in, in one town and had to walk through the woods. He, he knew a shortcut to a, a neighboring town where he worked. And so one day, he, this is his first day of the job, so he takes his shortcut through the woods, and he's walking along on the path, and uh, as he's walking along, whistling, you know, bluebirds are singing, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, boom! He falls into a pit. Somebody had dug a pit in the middle of the path. And this pit was like eight feet deep. And he's, he's in the pit, and he's struggling, and he's, it, it, you know, he said, how am I going to get out of here? And, and eventually, over a period of hours, he finally gets out of the pit and then goes on to his destination. Next day, he uh, says, well, I'm going to take the shortcut, and, but the thing is, I know where the pit is. And so he's walking along, and he says, yeah, I think the pit is right up. Boop, falls in the pit again. Only it doesn't take him as long to get out because he's been in the pit. Third day, he says, I know what I'm going to do. I know exactly where the pit is because it's next to this oak tree and I'm going to walk around the edge near the tree and I'm going to be able to get by. And so he walks around the tree or walks, you know, walks by, you know, over to, he can see the pit. He's walking along the edge of the pit and guess what? Whoop! He slips into the pit. 
And finally, the next day, he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray how to avoid the pit. And so he spends some time in the prayer, and the Lord speaks to him. He says, go a different way. You know, the shortcut isn't necessarily a shortcut. But when you hear from the Lord, you know, like I said, it, it may take you more time, it may involve more work, it may mean more emotional input on your part, but the thing is, when God is in it, you're covered. If God puts you on the path, he's the one that's going to bring you through. But you have to be on the path that he's put you on. Hallelujah. Getting quiet in here. Speaking of difficult times, James says in, in James 1 verse, and it's quite long, so I'm not going to project it, but let me, let me read it to you. But it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Really? How many people like trials? No, I don't see any hands. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. That testing of your faith is a testing of your commitment. Are you going to waver? Are you going to back off? Are you going to allow fear, as, as uh, Patty talked about earlier, are you going to allow fear to dissuade you or turn you away? You're going to allow people's opinions. Oh, that's a powerful one. What will people think? The question you should be asking yourself is, what will God think? That's the real question. And what he thinks is what we need to be motivated by. What he thinks is what we need to be pursuing. Not what people think. Because let me tell you, in my life experience, what I've learned is that people can love you one day and beat your enemies the next day. People can love you one day and talk about you the next day. People are fickle. God is not. He is faithful. He is true. He will fulfill his word from the scriptures as well as from when the Spirit speaks to you. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect or complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. How many times have we found ourselves in this situation and we, we're, we're devising plans, we're devising strategies instead of saying, okay, Lord, before I try to come up with my plans, which have never worked in the past, what do you say? What do you say? Instead of asking how to get around the pit, Maybe God's telling you to go a different way. Go a different way. But this is verse 6 is I love. But let him ask in faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. With no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Wow, that's a, that's a pretty sharp rebuke. And I'm sure all of us have been double-minded at times in our lives. 
But there's one area that we can't afford to be double-minded in, and that is in the pursuit of God. Pursuing, you know, pursuing God doesn't mean you went to church on Sunday. That's part of it. Pursuing God doesn't mean that you read a devotional that day. That's part of it. Pursuing God means that you've got the eye of the tiger focused on Jesus Christ and him alone. He's the one that saved you. He's the one that will deliver you. He was the one, he's the one that will rescue you. He is the one that will give you joy and peace, which passes all understanding. Now, I know we know all these things in our head, but what we need to do is let it get down into our hearts where we say, Jesus, Jesus first, Jesus only. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm just looking for my key verse here to close with. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him, meaning Jesus, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you think or ask. You know, to me, what, that's, what is that saying? It says, what is that saying? Is he's, he's saying, my plan, not your plan. My thoughts, not your thoughts. My ways, not your ways. And that's a challenge to all of us. That's a challenge to me. But we need to be committed. We need to pursue. Because when you waver, God's word very clearly says, God's best is not available to you. I want his best. How many people want God's third best or God's second best? No, I want God's best. And how do we get God's best? We pursue him. Not the plan, not the motivational classes, not the strategy for becoming rich and wealthy, but pursue him, the one who gave his life for you. And that's what we need to come back to. He did this for me. He did this for me because he says, you are worth it. You are not junk. Regardless of what's taken place in the past, you are a new creation in Jesus Christ. The old has passed away, and all things have become what? New. So why go back to the old ways? The old didn't work. Why not embrace the new? And the new is Jesus Christ and him alone. He's the one that died for you. He's the one that loves you. He's the one that has a plan for your life. You just need to trust him. Amen? Come on, why don't you stand with me now?
Everything I've said today or this morning has presupposed is that you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. The Bible's very clear. The things of God don't make sense to the natural mind. But we have the mind of Christ as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ. And so, I just want you to bow your heads for a second. Does anyone here, or even in the audience, you know, in the, in the, in the video audience, you want to be like Dee's friend who heard a message on Valentine's Day and said, yes, Lord. Or like her husband who listened to a, a, a message on TBN and said, yes, Lord, and their lives were forever changed. If you want your life to change, then you need to make a decision to receive Jesus Christ into your life. And if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand so I can see your hand so I know who to pray for. Anyone here? Amen. I see that, I see that hand. I see another hand over there. I see a hand over here as well. Amen. Anyone else? Okay, I see that hand. I see your hand right, right behind him. Yeah. Hallelujah. Okay, you can put your hands down. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to just step out into the aisle. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I do want you to take a step of faith. So just step into the aisle. If you would do that, don't make me come after you. <laughs> there you go. You got some, some brave souls here. Just That's it. How about, I know there were some people who raised their hand over here. Just step out into the aisle. Amen, 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 amen. Okay, now, for the rest of the body of Christ, I want you to lay hands on their shoulder, and we're going we're gonna to pray corporately for them. Amen? Heavenly Father, good. come on, church. Let's, let's, there you go. Let's move. Come on, we need some people over here. Hallelujah. Oh, you got the pastor over there. Glory to God. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for these men and women who have made a decision to receive Jesus. Amen. There's a young man over here with his hand out. Yes. Lord Jesus, right now, we just, we just ask, Lord, you're, you're, the good, you're a good God, and we, we are so thankful for what you're doing today. You're bringing new life, new life, new, a new destiny, a new destiny because there's a new destination. And so, Father God, I just thank you. Now, let's all pray together, and especially those that have, that have made a decision to receive Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Son. I'm receiving Jesus into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. He saved me from this life to the next in heaven. And Lord, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Lord, that you would lead me and guide me in this new life that you've given me. And Lord God, I just, again, I just thank you for the, 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 this, the prayer of faith, Lord, that these men and women have made. Lord, the church now rejoices. The angels rejoice because of new brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Carl, I don't, I don't know what we have. Do we have anything special for these people that have just made a decision? Okay, yeah. Yeah, I would encourage you, if you've made a decision to receive Jesus, to head over to that corner over there, and uh, Pastor Carl's going to be there, Pastor D is going to be over there, 
and uh, they've got gifts and words of encouragement for you. And I encourage you, don't just walk out of church. Go over there, listen to what, the, what Pastor Carl has to say, and uh, he'll encourage you and give you some first steps in your walk with Jesus. God bless you. Have a wonderful day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.